Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. episode is a cozy Q&A. I got my tea, where my Libra's at, and we've got some really great questions that were submitted, so we're going to get right into it in a second. But if you're new around here, my name is Daphna Chazen and I'm a registered dietitian. I help women with PCOS reverse symptoms like missing periods, hair loss, cravings, fatigue, and weight gain. And we do all of that with easy to follow meal plans and healthy habits. Now, today we're going to answer four questions that came in over on my Instagram page and they cover a variety of topics, things like period problems, what to eat for PCOS, supplements, and how to stop all or nothing thinking. So a little bit of mindset there too. We have a great mix of questions. We're going to get started right now. Question number one is, I have COS with very light periods, but my labs are normal. What does this mean? That's a great question. So period problems are of course common with PCOS, but they can show up differently for every person. So some people may have very heavy periods. Some people may have no periods at all for months on end. Some people like this person have spotting or very light periods. What's important to know here is that usually the source of all of these problems is often similar and it's related to hormonal imbalances, specifically hormones that are regulating your reproductive health. So sex hormones like estrogen, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And usually when you have very light periods, it can mean that you're not ovulating or that you did ovulate, but there was not enough progesterone made after ovulation. So let's break down these two different scenarios. In the first option, there's no ovulation. So normally in the first half of the menstrual cycle, the hormone estrogen is helping the uterine lining to build up and thicken, right? So usually this is going to be followed by ovulation and then either a period or pregnancy a couple of weeks later. However, what happens in PCOS is that the uterine lining is building up, but eventually when estrogen drops and there has not been ovulation, therefore there's not progesterone to stabilize the lining, the lining can shed. And then you can experience light bleeding that doesn't last that much or amount to much, but it's still there. And that is usually called an anovulatory cycle. Alternatively, there could be ovulation, but not enough progesterone that's released afterwards. So progesterone is the hormone that stabilizes the uterine lining, kind of holds it in place so that a fertilized egg can have the optimal environment to get implanted in. In PCOS, progesterone levels after ovulation can be too low to stabilize the uterine lining. So you can see some of it end up shedding. In both of these cases, though, what you'll want to work on is more regular ovulation and you're going to want to support sex hormone balance. There are three things that help the most with this, and they are the first thing, balancing your blood sugar levels, very, very important, reducing inflammation and eating foods that are specifically known to balance hormones. I want you to make sure to check out my recent episode that's called What to Eat for PCOS for some very simple tips to get you started. Next question is, how many carbs should someone with PCOS have per meal or per day? I love this question because I love talking about carbs. Now, my clients eat carbs at every single meal, every single day, and they're seeing amazing improvements in their symptoms. So the idea that you need to eliminate carbs to see positive changes with PCOS is complete nonsense. Now, in terms of how many carbohydrates someone with PCOS should eat per meal, usually I would say it depends because everyone is different and there are many, many different factors that could affect how many carbohydrates are right for your body, 
like your activity level, whether or not you eat animal protein, whether or not your blood sugar is well controlled. So there are a few different factors that are important here in order to say definitively, but I want to help you with more practical tips so that you can try them out immediately. And today I'm going to give you some specifics. So we're not going to say it depends. I'm actually going to give you a method to use. Now let's first talk about what foods fall under this bucket of carbohydrates. So of course we have bread, crackers, wraps, um, starchy vegetables like potatoes, beans and legumes like chickpeas, and then grains, things like rice, quinoa, and fruit. The easiest thing to do in order to determine how many carbs to eat per meal is to use my eating by threes method. The way it works is really simple. There are three types of foods that go on your plate, carbohydrates, protein, and produce, each taking up an even third of the space. So three foods, a third each. What you're going to want to do is fill up a third of your plate with carbohydrates of any type. You can take any combination of carbs that you like, rice and beans, pasta and potatoes, fruit and bread, and add them to your plate in an amount that would fill about a third of that plate. The other space on your plate, of course, would be evenly divided between your protein source and a lot of produce. This would make a balanced PCOS meal and it will make the perfect plate for blood sugar control. The main reasons I like this method, other than it's really balanced, it is that it can be done without weighing and measuring anything, which most people don't want to do. It's easy to do when you're not at home. So you can keep consistent with something like this on vacation, in a restaurant, at a dinner party and it also teaches you portions without you noticing so the more you do this the more you'll learn to visually appreciate what amount of carbohydrates is right for your body so this method really works well and what you'll see after you start using this method I want you to notice how your body feels were you satisfied were you hungry soon after you ate maybe you need a few less carbohydrates and more protein in that situation or if you felt weak and irritable maybe you do need more energy from carbs and you need to increase the amount So noticing your symptoms after meals can really help you make those helpful tweaks to your food and to the amount of carbohydrates that you eat. Now, we don't want to forget that the quality of carbs matters too. What you'll want to do is opt for higher fiber, minimally processed carbohydrate sources. For example, sprouted bread or whole wheat bread would be better, more beneficial for your body than white bread. And fiber-rich chickpeas, for example, would trigger less symptoms than rice. That's because fiber helps you stay fuller for longer, it keeps your blood sugar from spiking, and it also keeps your energy levels very, very stable. I'd love for you to go ahead and get started with my eating by threes method and let me know how it goes in the comments below or come on over to Instagram and send me a DM. By the way, if you're not yet subscribed to the channel, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get notifications when a new episode comes up. Next question is, are turmeric capsules good for PCOS? Well, they can be. Turmeric or its active component, curcumin, is known to be beneficial for reducing inflammation and regulating insulin levels, both of which are known to be main drivers of PCOS symptoms like acne, missing periods, belly fat, insomnia, fatigue, and digestive issues. So there could definitely be a benefit here. It's usually hard to get enough turmeric to reach the beneficial levels through the diet because it's a spice. So it's used in very small amounts in cooking. And there actually has been some studies showing that women with PCOS can benefit from supplementing curcumin as it can lower fasting glucose levels. It can improve insulin sensitivity, reduce cholesterol and increase HDL, which is your good cholesterol. So those things are very protective against heart disease and would be beneficial. 
And curcumine supplements were also seen to reduce joint pain in a similar way to ibuprofen in people with osteoarthritis, which points to that anti-inflammatory effect of curcumine. These studies are still pretty small though, so we can't say definitively that curcumine is recommended for everyone with PCOS, but the potential benefit and the very minimal risks or side effects that are associated with this are definitely promising. The thing to remember about supplements is we want to be very strategic with them and make sure that they are tailored to our specific needs as opposed to taking something that's trendy or that has worked for someone else. If inflammation is a known issue for you, if if you're dealing with joint pain, with insulin resistance, with high cholesterol levels and low HDL levels, which is the good cholesterol, it would be wise to first focus on eating a blood sugar friendly anti-inflammatory diet and then add supplements to fill in the gaps or enhance your results. While turmeric is great, it may not be the first choice for your situation because there are many other supplements that can be helpful here and are also known to reduce inflammation and insulin resistance, but it does seem like a good, safe option overall. All in all, what I would recommend is that you go consult someone and always remember that supplements are meant to supplement your diet and help you address your specific issues. So I'd focus on the food first and then consult with someone and consider adding a supplement then. Okay, I just grabbed a blanket and I'm going to get cozy because the next question is about mindset. Mindset is something I love talking about because it's a big part of health. If you're making all the changes, you're eating all the good foods, you're having a healthy meal plan and everything is going well for you, but you're not thinking about it the right way, your head is not in the right place, and you're constantly battling from a mental perspective, it's going to be really hard for you to be successful and feel good in your body. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about mental health and about making sure that you're making the right mindset changes to be successful and that you're not stuck in diet culture. And that's what the next question is about. And it goes like this. How do you stop the pendulum swinging between doing all the things that having one mess up and being completely thrown off your healthy eating. I'm really so grateful for this question because it touches on something that I see all the time and it's probably familiar to you as well. So if you've ever started on a healthy eating plan, went to the gym, avoided the sugar, meal prepped, did all the things and then one slice of pizza, one cookie, two cookies, three cookies, an order of fries, whatever it may be, felt like a big mess up to you that you told yourself, well, there's no point in keeping it going because I already blew it and it's too hard to stay consistent, this is for you. In order to understand what to do to stop this from happening, we first need to know why it's happening. And I really find that there are three reasons why people have this mindset. The first one is a history of strict dieting. We all spent years learning how to be on a diet, which means, of course, eating perfectly 100% of the time, even if it means not liking our food or feeling deprived. And then when we can't stick to it because it's practically impossible for humans to feel hungry and lack joy from food long term, we're off it and then we feel like a failure. So we go to the other extreme and fall back into old habits. So it's very black and white. What we need to do is stop thinking of ourselves as on or off. Instead of trying to do all the things and then throwing in the towel very quickly, what we want to do is try changing one thing at a time very, very gradually. So this could be something small like adding one cup of veggies to your 
healthier dinners this week or swapping out a snack for a healthier version, like swapping chips for popcorn or swapping cookies with a Greek yogurt and some granola. Inside my program, Reset Your PCOS, I teach you about opportunities. Those are opportunities in your day to make healthy swaps and they're huge. They make a big difference. The second reason why this pendulum swinging between all or nothing is happening is that we think of food as good or bad. And when we eat something that's bad, we feel bad and we feel like we failed and then we get shame and guilt and self-loathing sometimes. If you experience this, it's time to remove labels from food. All foods can fit into your life with PCOS. And think about it. If something tastes delicious and brings you joy, can it really be bad? Food should be enjoyable. A big part of why we eat is for pleasure. Food brings us pleasure and that's not a bad thing. So we need to stop this good or bad thinking. And what I would recommend is not removing any foods from your life, but rather adding them in the right timing, in the right portion and at the right pairing. So for example, if you enjoy eating chocolate every day as I do, have it. But instead of eating it right out of the bag or snacking on it mindlessly late at night, put it on a plate after dinner, add some high fiber berries and maybe a handful of nuts and enjoy this balanced snack in a mindful way and with zero guilt. The third reason this happens is that most people don't have the right knowledge or tools to navigate days that feel off. When you don't know how to combine the foods you love into your daily eating and have a truly balanced lifestyle and meals that are not necessarily 100% perfect and that's okay, you tend to fall back into old habits, especially if you have no one to support you or motivate you to keep going. Because surely one meal or one day is not going to make or break your health, but because we're all conditioned to think this way, we catastrophize around food. After years of dieting, that's what we have learned. It's easy to stay stuck in this very toxic cycle of all or nothing thinking. So you really need to think about how can you heal your relationship with food, step out of thinking in extreme terms, not catastrophizing, not putting things into perspective and not being so hard on yourself. We need to give ourselves grace. If we're going to manage PCOS and live our life successfully and joyfully, some foods have to be there. We're just going to navigate and balance them out and navigate these situations a little bit more mindfully and compassionately so that we don't completely throw in the towel or fall back into old habits. If you're at a point where you've had enough of diets and you're looking to heal your relationship with food, feel more freedom with your eating and not live in this pendulum of doing everything or doing nothing, I want to invite you to join me inside Reset Your PCOS, my three-month PCOS nutrition coaching program, where I teach you not only how to reverse your symptoms by eating in a more balanced way that doesn't feel like a diet, but also how to change your mindset around food and feel a lot more confident about your eating and less obsessed with being perfect all the time because that's a losing battle to begin with, right? So if you're ready to get that help, all the details about the program are in the description below, or you can also go to daphnachazen.com slash reset. We're going to be able to see all the program information, how to sign up, what's included, and what you can expect. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you found this Q&A helpful. If you have additional questions, be sure to come on over to Instagram. I'm at PCOS.Nutritionist.Daphna. I'd love to connect with you and hear from you in my DMs, and I'll talk to you soon.